0: Hello, and welcome back to the North Georgia Blue podcast, produced and distributed by the Fannin County Democratic Party. I'm your host, Meryl Clark, and we're getting into some good trouble today with our special guest, Georgia State Representative William Bodie, running to be our next Labor Commissioner. Welcome to the show, Representative Bodie. We're so happy to have you back here with us again for the second time. Yes, yes, yes. We are just thrilled since you will be our next labor commissioner as far as I'm concerned. So let's let our listeners know a little bit about you one more time. Georgia State Representative William Bodie is an Atlanta native and currently resides in East Point. He is a proud member of Alpha Psi Fraternity and a lifelong member of Antioch Baptist Church. Representative Bodie graduated from the Mercer University School of Law in Macon. He has practiced law since 2005 and was elected to the Georgia House in 2016. After just one term in office, his peers in the Georgia House Democratic Caucus elected him to serve as Minority Whip in 2018 as the second ranking Democrat in the House. Congrats on that. Prior to being elected to the caucus leadership, he was appointed to serve as communications chair of the Georgia Legislative Black Caucus in 2017. Representative Bode currently serves on budget and fiscal affairs oversight, judiciary, of course, non-civil, Small business development and special committees on access to the civil justice system committees. Ooh, that's a mouthful. (laughs) He has passed 27 bills in six years as a proud Democrat. Thank you for that as well. Among those bills, Representative Bodie co authored and was a lead co sponsor of House Bill 479 to repeal Georgia's citizens' arrest law. And it was passed into law in direct response to the Ahmad Arbury murder in 2020. And yes, that needed to be done. And we are so grateful that you are able to push that legislation through. So let's dive right in. You state on your website that you're committed to our middle-class and organized labor. Yes. Or, of course, unions being union strong. And as our next labor commissioner, you will continue to amplify the voices of working families, fight for livable wages and reopen the doors of the Georgia Department of Labor, which have been closed forever, seemingly under Republican tenure. And that would prove a refreshing change. So how will you go about accomplishing these
1: goals, sir? That's a great question. So I think where I would start in talking about organized labor and my relationship with organized labor right now, I'm proud to be endorsed by the Georgia AFL-CIO, which is the governing body for organized labor in the state of Georgia, as well as numerous labor unions, individual capacity have endorsed me as well, including IBW, IUPAT which is the Painters Union, IBW, of course, is the uh, the electrician, the building trades, the carpenters, United Auto Workers, United Steel Workers. So we have a lot of organized labor organizations that are behind us. And the reason why that's so important, because if you look at my website and in my literature, I always stay not hold true to this, that the middle class and organized labor has helped build this state and this country. And so we have to make sure that organized labor and Georgia working families have a seat at the table when policy is being crafted and legislation is being passed. And so I want to do that by first making sure that we have a labor liaison within my administration. And I want to make sure that one of my deputy Labor commissioners are from labor and have a labor background, so I can always know the point of views about labor issues from labor themselves. And that's very important to me. But also as far as partnering with organized labor to make sure that our Georgia citizens have liberal wage paying opportunities through apprenticeship programs, through training, retraining programs. And I think that's very important. One of the initiatives, my dear friend and our next governor, Leader Stacey Abrams, who's going to be Governor Abrams. Yes, she is.
0: I've been calling her that for two years now. So
1: (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) I mean, her initiative to add 20,000 additional uh, apprenticeship opportunities in the state of Georgia is what we need. Because if you think about IBW, the Painters Union, all these amazing organized labor organizations have programs already in place where you have a Georgia worker who may decide to change career paths, which I had a dear friend of mine from high school to do that. He decided 12 years ago that, hey, I want to leave my current job and I wanna be a industrial electrician. And so he decided to enroll into the IBW training program. Uh, their training facilities up in North Cross, Georgia in Gwinnett County. And he went through the program, the five-year program. He became a full member of the labor union and he was able to get a job and an l- amazing liberal wage. And he was able to provide for his wife, his two daughters. He bought two cars. In a truck, and he has a boat on Lake Lanier with no student loan debt. So, think about it. If we have all these great opportunities, why not take advantage of them? And so, I want to make sure I partner with organized labor and work organizations such as Georgia Stand Up and Construction Ready, and also with Goodwill in North Georgia. Uh, they do some amazing work in all of the Goodwill industries across the state and training Georgia citizens to have liberal wage paying jobs. I was just down in Valdosta, Georgia last Monday and I got a chance to tour the career center that is attached to the Goodwill store right down St. Augustine in Valdosta. And their job postings, the fact that they have computers and resources right there within their office, I was like, this is great. But why is the Department of Labor not leading these initiatives? Exactly. And they should be. Exactly. Department of Labor should be bringing all these organizations together, organized labor, goodwill of North Georgia and all other goodwill industries across the state. Also, the work of organizations, nonprofits, universities, technical colleges, our career academies, local boards of education to the table and be leading that initiative along with our work source agencies across the state and all counties. The Department of Labor Commission can do that because the last Democratic Labor Commissioner, Mike Thurmond, did it. Mm-hmm.
0: But not since it's been under Republican tenure, certainly. No. Organized labor is not something that Republicans want to advance, no. obviously. Anything that's good for the workers. So I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir.
1: But no, you made a great point. For so many different reasons, this Department of Labor under this current administration Republican administration, who's been in office since CEO, now DeKalb County, Michael Thurman, left the position of Department of Labor Commission back in 2010, this department has not had empathy for Georgia workers to want to reach out to lend that hand to help workers and to meet workers where there are. Mm -hmm. That's very important because even with UI benefits and the hard times that Georgia workers had during the early days of the pandemic and doing pretty much all of the pandemic, because like you stated, Department of Labor doors were closed for nearly two years of a global pandemic. But if you have a labor commissioner that has empathy and grace and just want to help people as a public servant, Mark Butler would have not done that. As a true public servant, you can't sit idly by while others are hurting and in pain. Me as a state legislator, I was getting those phone calls from Georgia workers who lost their job to no phone on during the pandemic. And I'm talking to seniors that's telling me, Representative Bowdoin, I don't know how I'm going to pay my light bill and be able to pay for my prescription medication. I have to make a choice. But why do our seniors have to make that choice when unemployment UI benefits are a safety net provided by the federal government, which is managed by the states through either the Secretary of Labor for that particular state or the Labor Commissioner to be a safety net, which Georgia employers pay into the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund. And it's called Unemployment Insurance Benefits for a reason. It is a safety net. It is an insurance policy for Georgia workers. And I want to make sure that Georgia workers receive the insurance policy that they have worked for. And also Georgia employers receive through having workers come back to work where they are in a better financial situation than they were if they did not receive their unemployment benefits, which they should have been approved for. And if they qualify and receive it as the statute says, in a prompt manner, those benefits. Exactly.
0: So that segues nicely into my next question. How do you plan to reopen our unemployment offices that Republicans shut down after COVID-19? Have they reopened yet? If not, why not? And how would you help people get the assistance they need through the Department of Labor? Speaking of unemployment insurance.
1: Great point. So right now, the Department of Labor is technically open. And I say technically Because some of the benefits of the office are not being fully utilized and made available to the public. You think about the one-stop shops across the state. That's the nickname for the career center's that are operated by the Georgia Department of Labor. Some of these offices, you should be able to walk into, or all of them, you should be able to walk into And if you got a question about your UI claim and what is the status of your unemployment benefits if you have been approved, or if you've been denied, what is the status of your appeals hearing? You should be able to walk into a Department of Labor career center and get those questions answered, as well as soft skills, workforce development skills, and also workforce development opportunities and also job skills and also job opportunities. But some of these career centers, if not all, I'm hearing where you go in, it was like, no, we can't hear you today on a UI question. We can only hear and be of service on workforce development or job opportunity initiatives or programs. Or training, retraining programs, which is great, but it's a one-stop shop. It's called that it for a reason. You should be able to go in any time of the day when the offices are open to receive full services of that particular career center. And I've been here, some of the career centers, you have to make appointments to even get questions answered or get resources for job training opportunities and soft skills training, such as resume writing, how to dress for an interview and how to prepare for an interview and other soft skills training. So what is the problem? Is that a technical issue with the
0: computer systems or do we not have enough career centers? How many career centers do we have right now? 42. Throughout the state? Yes. So obviously there isn't one in every county. No,
1: no. So we need more career centers, correct? Exactly. And that is going back to another point, which you brought Up and thank you for that. When we had a Democrat in the position of Labor Commissioner, we had actually eighty-three Career Centers at the height of Labor Commissioner Michael Thurman's administration, and now we only have forty-two. We had over four thousand employees employed with Department of Labor when a Democrat was in office, and now we have about eleven hundred, maybe twelve hundred employees. Mm. So the reason why I would imagine that they are operating at limited capacity is because they're not fully staffed, the Department of Labor and the career centers, and we don't have enough career centers. What I would like to do, and in my administration, I would like to have a career center in each county with 25,000 residents or more. Because you think about Fannie County, Blue Ridge, that is the career center for Union County, for Pickens County. I mean, Like, they have to drive from their homes all the way to Blue Ridge. Mm. Why not have a career center in those counties? Because those counties have 25,000, 30,000 people or more. That way you have a job generator within the county that the Department of Labor, because I'm going to make sure we have liberal wage paying jobs within the Department of Labor. So you're going to have workers In rural Georgia counties helping workers to get employment and liberal wage paying jobs. So it should be a win-win because in a lot of our rural Georgia counties, the only state administration or agency in that particular county is DFACs which is great because we need defects in every county to make sure that our children are being protected. But they serve a different purpose than labor. Exactly. Yeah. So why not have the Department of Labor within those counties as well? Because we need the jobs. If rural Georgia needs jobs, why not have job creators within rural Georgia County? Is it a cost issue? It's a want issue. Mm, gotcha. It's a want issue. And then when I say that, I don't think that this current administration wants to do it. Mm -mm. Commissioner Mark Butler, I know because I'm a current member of the General Assembly, did not even come before the Joint Appropriations Committee of the House and Senate to ask for more money during the pandemic. If his administration and these career centers and Department of Labor were so understaffed and they could not process these UI claims in a timely manner, Why not ask for more help, Mm -hmm. more appropriations from the state of Georgia? You would think everybody else came down there, asked for money. State agency did. So why did the Department of Labor feel like this is not a priority when you got Georgia workers hurting, losing homes, losing cars, losing their livelihoods, some even contemplating suicide Mm. because they don't know how they're going to pay their bills. So I say it's a one issue. And I just don't think this Department of Labor Commissioner wanted to ask for more money so he could provide the services, the full services that the Department of Labor should be providing per the Georgia Constitution and federal statute. And it's not just union workers either. No, all workers.
0: Yes. And clearly they have shown time and time again that they don't care about Georgia workers. They only care about big business. So that needs to change. Let me ask you a question. The minimum wage in Georgia is still $7.25 an hour, which is pure insanity. Certainly not a livable wage. Can you raise the wage without the General Assembly or do you need their sign off?
1: To do it So that's a two part question. And, and thank you for that question. Actually, the state minimum wage in the state of Georgia is five dollars and 15 cents. Oh, excuse me. That's the federal wage. Yes. So get this. Georgia is tied with the state of Wyoming with the lowest minimum wage in the United States of America. Oh. Now, Georgia has almost 11 million citizens. Wyoming has a little bit less than 600,000 citizens. Mm-hmm. So how can a state like Georgia that has won best state to do business for the seven, eight years in a row now, but why can Georgia not be the best state for workers as well? Exactly. They're not mutually exclusive. You can have both. But for us to be tied with one of the smallest states as far as population is concerned and us to still have a $5.15 state minimum wage, that's the issue. So what I would do is lobby the Georgia General Assembly to make sure we raise our state minimum wage to more than a cup of coffee that you would have to pay for at a nice cafe or restaurant. Think about it. Most places you can't even buy a cup of coffee for five dollars and 15 cents. Not at Starbucks anyway. No, not at all. I would say that's an issue. So as far as the federal minimum wage is concerned, that is currently. $7.25. Most workers in the state of Georgia do get paid $7.25 because of federal law. Only certain jobs such as farm workers, ag workers, personal care workers, and also, of course, salary workers are not entitled to the $7.25. Which is still not enough. No, it's not. So right now, members of our Democratic federal delegation, has introduced legislation to try to raise the minimum wage across this country, the federal minimum wage. And also just like the state general assembly, our state democratic senators actually filed legislation to raise the minimum wage up. They were at the time trying to raise the minimum wage up to $15. Mm -hmm. And I think that legislation was filed either last session or session before, and it was going to be done on an incremental. And so it was going to be done like every year. So when you go up a little bit more every year, so it doesn't hurt our small business owners per se, and everyone can kind of anticipate the step up and pay. And this also was done in the federal act that was filed in the U.S. House of Representatives. But both bills here in the state and on the federal level also took into account cost of living and inflation. Mm-hmm. So what happens with our state and with our federal mental wage is that when it's passed into law, it's static. It doesn't go up with inflation or the cost of living. So you will have a statute that was passed 10, 20 years ago, still in place 10, 20 years later, when the cost of milk, the cost of gas, the cost of a cup of coffee has increased, but the minimum wage hasn't increased. So that's an issue that we need to make sure our policymakers take into consideration when they look at the next time passing legislation to raise the minimum wage in the state of Georgia and in Congress.
0: Tell us about working with Republicans across the aisle, your bipartisan efforts to try to make Republicans understand that corporations are actually reaping obscene profits while workers are suffering. How would you work? with the folks. And since you have experience in that arena, I assume you've already done that and proven your abilities. But what would you say to Republicans who only seem to care about big business and not about individuals, the individual workers? How would
1: you respond to that? I would say workers are the reason why we are elected because workers are people. People elect their representatives to represent them and not corporations, not big businesses. And so, with that being said, I know I've tried to, on the labor issue, talk to my Republican colleagues and stress exactly what you're saying. We have to put people over profits. I mean, it's just simple. Even during the COVID 19 pandemic, when the business COVID immunity uh, legislation passed, it was one of those bills where Democrats were opposed to the legislation. Because of the policy reasons, not because it was just bad legislation and we did not want businesses to feel like they have some type of protection during a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. But when you have a bill that doesn't give frontline workers a civil cause of action in a Georgia court when their employer has not provided them proper PPE, but they have to go to work and work in these environments that, if you recall, our poultry plants and our poultry workers were going to work and they were stuffed in these closed confines without proper PPE equipment during the pandemic, and they were getting sick. Some even died. Mm -hmm. So these workers cannot have a civil cause of action against that employer that did not provide PPE contact tracing, And also testing when testing became available. That doesn't make sense to me. It's appalling. It is. Even with our grocery store cashiers, because the grocery stores didn't close. Uh -uh. They were working during the pandemic. And one grocery store chain, National Chain, refused to put plexiglass up at the cash register. So. The cashier that's working, if she or he got coughed on, at least they would have felt some type of protection from one of the patrons that probably wasn't wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. Uh, This same grocery store chain did not mandate masks inside of their grocery stores. So you don't mandate masks during the early days. We're talking about March, April, May, June of the pandemic 2020. And you don't provide proper PPE, i.e. the plexiglass over the register to protect your worker. Right.
0: Because (laughs) they didn't want to disenfranchise or make anyone feel uncomfortable, I guess. But it's completely absurd.
1: It is because think about the young mother Mm -hmm. who may have one, two kids that's young in school, trying to work, maybe not having kids in college, right out of college. Young man working at the grocery store and they're working at the register and they get coughed on. Right. By a person that doesn't have a mask. When you're looking at the numbers every day in the news of people that are dying and being hospitalized for COVID. Back in May, June, July of 2020. Imagine what goes through that worker's mind and how they feel.
0: I cannot imagine.
1: I mean, they are on the
0: front lines. They are on the front line. No doubt about that. So definitely, that would be a lovely thing to rectify. Moving on, you've also said that you'll provide vocational training. Yes. And apprenticeship opportunities for our young people. Yes. So they can, quote, earn as they learn, end quote. And be ready for the jobs of the future. Can you elaborate on that? How will you make that happen?
1: Yes, by again, partnering with organized labor, partnering with the technical college system of Georgia, also with our colleges, nonprofit, and worker organizations. One program that stands out in my mind is a program that it's a national program, Youth Bill. Youth Bill is a great program that's actually international now. It started here. In the United States, but other countries are also using the model where if you are between the ages of 16 to 26 and you do not have a high school diploma or GED, the program will help you get your high school Diploma or GD almost at no cost. And they will help you at the same time get a vocational or trade. We're talking cybersecurity, we're talking construction, we're talking HVAC, we're talking carpentry, we're talking about audiovisual, we're talking coding. Those opportunities now are made available to empower a young adult who did not have their high school degree who did not have their GED and did not have a pathway to a liberal wage. You provide them with the educational tool. So you empower them now that they have that high school diploma. But then you give them vocational training, which is going to benefit them and their family for the rest of their lives, because they have a skill trade or vocation, which they can use whenever they decide to retire or go into another occupational trade. It is a program that nonprofits and organized labor engage in and partner with. Urban League of Greater Atlanta has a youth bill program that they monitor and participate in and make sure that they recruiting the students and the young adults into that program. Also our Georgia Building Trades also have their own youth bill program. So it's a national program but local trade unions and also local nonprofits could basically be the provider for these programs to help recruit the young adults and students into the program, but also execute the program for the federal government. That's fantastic. And of course, the current Department of Labor is not promoting that at
0: all. I've never heard of it, no. which is part of the problem. It is. Right.
1: It is. You hit a whole run on the Department of Labor should be. Actively promoting and marketing these great programs that are already out there, but not mm-hmm. only marketing, making sure that they are provided to workers who are either looking for a better job that's paying higher wages with better benefits or youth that are looking for a way where they might feel like, I don't know how I'm going to take care of myself. I don't know how I'm going to get a high school diploma or GED and be that lifeline. Like This is what the Department of Labor Commission should be, a lifeline for Georgia workers and citizens. So if you're a current worker and you're looking to get into another occupation or trade, or if you are a citizen who is not currently working, but you're looking for a job, the Department of Labor should be working both angles all the time. That should be the mission of the Department of Labor and the Labor Commission. That would be lovely. So let me ask you this.
0: Can we get all of these initiatives done without raising taxes?
1: Yes. One of the things I would say, a lot of these initiatives are federal initiatives. So one, it's already federal money that's already out there that's provided to the state of Georgia. So that workforce development money is already there. Secondly, you could get even more federal funding through grants by partnering with your federal delegation and asking your members of Congress and your U.S. senators to pursue those federal grants and that federal funding. Example Tiger Grant. The Tiger Grant was federal funding, which this Department of Labor did not actively participate in trying to obtain the grant. Mm. And the grant will basically provide, I think, almost $11 million to the state of Georgia to upgrade its antiquated technology, to train the workers in the updated and modernized technology, but also to make sure that the security systems of the platform that the Department of Labor is using is secure. So you're going to also upgrade the security protections as well. Department of Labor Commission did not try to even get the money that was there. Also, the peer navigator grant that was a part of the Federal CARES Act money, the Biden administration through the U.S. Department of Labor basically said states like Georgia could be entitled to apply for navigator grants, which basically will allow Georgia to help traditionally and historically disenfranchised workers to get living wage paying jobs. And the peer navigators would be nonprofit organizations, colleges and universities, and organized labor. So the peers would help Georgia workers who have been traditionally historically disenfranchised, like African American people of color, women, our seniors, disabled citizens, our homeless citizens. To get these opportunities where someone is walking you through step by step on how to get a job, how to get the soft skills training you need. And the Department of Labor would have paid these peer navigators with federal funding. And the grant expired March the 31st of this year without this Department of Labor Commissioner, Mark Butler, even applying for the grant. That's pathetic. That they're not doing anything to help anyone. I even emailed the deputy labor commissioner, asked him, can you not, please, I was in session at the time, General Assembly was in session, I think it was back in February this year, can you please apply for this Navigator grant, it's basically federal money that's going to go to other states. What our citizens need to be utilizing this money, which they are paying federal taxes for.
0: Unbelievable.
1: What a waste. And of course, you're referring to also creating a more
0: streamlined portal. Yes. Which the Department of Labor currently does not have to ensure that small businesses in Georgia can also fill jobs and efficiently connect with job seekers and veterans. Now, that's something that you can go to the General Assembly and request the monies for, correct? Or can you do that on your own? Or can you do it with a Governor Abrams? Or how does that work?
1: Definitely having Governor Abrams in what we call it, the Gold Dome, on the second floor will help a lot. That will help quite a bit. Yes. Yes. Having Governor Abrams because Governor Abrams makes that a part of her legislative package that she sends to the General Assembly through her floor leaders in the House and Senate, and also when they're presenting the budgets on her behalf in committee. Why that's so important? It's important because we need appropriations to upgrade the antiquated technology with the Department of Labor, and I feel very confident that Governor Abrams will lobby the General Assembly. And I'm also going to lobby the General Assembly to get that funding because that funding is critical. Because if we had a streamlined portal, online portal, where small business owners such as myself that are looking for a job talent can go and basically say, look, the talent is right there. The talent has been screened. The talent has uploaded their resume, the talent, has given everything that the small business owner needs to be knowledgeable in the person that they're interviewing and hopefully, ultimately hiring, which I think is very important. But this portal will help not just job seekers that are seeking jobs in a traditional setting, but also for our returning veterans to civilian life that have served our country so honorably. Also, returning citizens from incarceration, because we know some of those citizens, they're not going to be in prison for the rest of their lives. Some of them have committed nonviolent property offenses, some have been addicted to drugs and alcohol. And so we can provide a lot of opportunities with this online portal, including even trying to find help for individuals who may have went through a situation with substance abuse or alcohol abuse to help them to get to a level of sobriety so they can get back into the world.
0: It would certainly be a viable lifeline for a lot of folks. Well, We've gone over quite a bit. If someone wants to learn more about you, your candidacy and your campaign for labor commissioner, where would you send them?
1: I would send them to www.bodie4ga.com. Again, that's wwwbodie Also feel free. You can email me at info at bodie4ga.com. Again, that's info at bodeforga Also follow me on social media. My social media handles same at Bodie4GA Pretty much across the board. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and we're also on Twitter as well. And so I get a, get a lot of responses, and we definitely love to reach out to potential volunteers, potential supporters of the campaign. Anyone just that needs help, you know, any questions that I can ask, please reach out and email us those questions. And so that's very important to have that open dialogue. And our website does a great job at that. If you want to volunteer to help my campaign to win in November, you could do that. We have a link for that. If you want to donate to the campaign, you could do that. If you want to find out more about my accomplishments as a state legislator. You can find out that. I was the House Democratic whip, as you stated earlier, and I passed over 27 bills. So I know my way around the gold dome, and I know I can get legislation passed, which is, like you said, very helpful being a statewide constitutional officer. So also you can find out my endorsers. Uh, One is CEO Michael Thurman, the last Democratic Labor Commissioner, the last Democratic governor, Governor Roy Burns, also the last Lieutenant uh, governor that was a Democrat, Mark Taylor, and the list goes on, Mayor Andre Dickens of Atlanta. I mean, we just, we have probably now, I think, over 200 endorsements across the state of Georgia. So I feel really good where we are right now. But as I state, I'm proud to be the Democratic nominee uh, for Georgia Labor Commissioner. And I'm asking everyone that's listening to my voice to please vote Democrat up and down the ballot because we've got some amazing candidates and we have a historic slate of candidates that's running statewide that look like Georgia and that will be pro-worker and that will keep Georgia workers and citizens in mind when they're crafting legislation and policies on behalf of the citizens of the state. So vote blue, vote up and down the ballot and take 20 people to the polls with you encourage you to get out and vote yeah and thank you for bringing up
0: the uh voting up and down the ballot because so many people stop at the top and they don't go all the way down and yes every statewide office matters
1: all the way down
0: everyone labor commissioner insurance commissioner yes agriculture yes. attorney general
1: I could go yes. on and on so like we could do this all night as far as talking like this because think about what you just said it's so critical to Governor Abrams to have commissioners and secretaries to help her with her policy initiative. Think about it like this. President Joe Biden chooses his appointees that are confirmed by the U.S. Senate. So essentially, we are all in the executive branch under Governor Abrams' leadership. And so we're all working as a team, within her administration. And so if you look at it, we are almost as on the federal level, her cabinet. And so think about how the president of the United States, your listeners have to rely on their cabinet members, secretary of state, secretary of labor, secretary of health, attorney general. It's the same concept on the state level, attorney general, labor commissioner, insurance commissioner. And so we need to make sure we have great candidates that will be great commissioners and secretaries to help our great governor, Lita Abrams, to be able to implement her policies, but also be able to execute those policies through our state departments and state agencies across Georgia.
0: Thank you. That's very well put. And finally, and you probably remember this from last time, but it's been a while since we spoke to you last. Yes, I know you got to ask me now. I'm ready for the question this time. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Tell us a fun fact about yourself. Something not necessarily related to your campaign, your candidacy, your background as a politician.
1: Something just fun about you. I love football. I love football. I played football in high school. And one of the things I like to do is play fantasy football. I love fantasy football. I'm like in two leagues every year and it's kind of like a hobby for me. And I play with my friends from high school and I got one league that I play in with my friends from high school and the other league I play in is my friends from college. And it gives me an opportunity, you know, woo from the everyday of being a elected official, but also a practicing attorney and have fun with my friends. And then also to add to that every year, I love to go and travel to see the Falcons play the Atlanta Falcons. And so me and my wife every year, even when we were dating, we would travel to go see an away game in another state. And so that's really fun. I really enjoy that. We've been to Arizona to watch the Falcons. We've been to Washington DC. I mean, it's just really fun to go to other States and other stadiums and root for our favorite football team, the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, you know I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan as well, so. of course. And we really appreciate your being here. And may I say, go Steelers? Go Falcons. But yeah, Steelers are, are cool. One of my favorite football players all time was Rod Woodson. So, yeah, he was a great Steeler. Great Steeler, yes.
0: Oh, yeah. We still have some great ones. So, Thank you, Representative Bodie, for joining us today and sharing more about your critical work in candidacy to advance Democratic goals, policy, and help workers across the state. I'm Meryl Clark, and on behalf of our team, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the North Georgia Blue podcast. Join us next time when we chat with Patty Durand, Democrat running for the Public Service Commission. To learn more about us and the work that we're doing, visit us online at Fannin County Georgia Democratic. Share the North Georgia Blue Podcast with your friends and family. Be sure to subscribe and follow. And if you enjoy our podcast, be a founding patron and friend of the show at NorthGeorgiaBluePodcast.com slash patron with three different giving levels to choose from, offering cool swag, recognition on the show and website, and valuable gift cards to help us continue getting into more good trouble.